0: All right, so as I said, it's going to be a busy week around here. In 2015, um, we had a, a fellow who was coming to church here, and um, it was his, really his push to say, Pastor, we need to feed 5,000 people. We need to fi- feed 5,000 people. And I kept telling him, yeah, 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 okay, okay, okay. And he's like, no, 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 we really need to do this. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, no, 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 you, we you need. I think one day he had me up here by the collar saying, we need to do this. And so I'm like, all right, let's, let's do it. And um, it took us five and a half days. We started Monday morning at at, uh, 11 o'clock like we're doing now. It took us till Saturday at noon. And from Friday until Saturday, we served 5,200 meals, 5,200 meals out in our parking lot. And it was just an amazing time of serving, an amazing time of giving, an amazing time of blessing. Our goal, that was his goal back in in the beginning. He said, I want to have a good lunch for hard-working folks in this community and and I want to be a blessing and that was really what was the start of this again was I just felt as I drove in it was back around the first of the year I was driving on the parking lot and I felt like the Lord just spoke to me and said we need to bless this community and so that's the impetus that's what started this some people have asked uh, what's your purpose what's your angle what are you trying to accomplish And it's very simple. It's actually very simple. We are attempting. We are angling. We are fishing for. We are trying to bless the community of Detroit Lakes and the surrounding areas. That's it. That's it. Last time, we've had a couple of pastors who told their congregation, don't you go to that church. We're not sure what they're up to. And I talked to a pastor just the other day. He said, like, I came and sat there for three hours, two days in a row, because I wanted to see what you are up to. He said, you are up to feeding meals. Can I come and help this time? Come on, it's good, it's, that's, the, that's the goal, that's the desire, that's, that's it. What's the purpose? What, just to bless. So what does that look like? Well, the very simple definition, the biblical definition of the word bless is a favor or a gift bestowed by God therefore bringing happiness. It is a gift from God that brings joy, that brings happiness. That's our goal, is we want to gift our community with something that will just bring them happiness. So this is about us invoking God's favor upon people. The people of Detroit Lakes, that's our only angle. That's it, that's all there is to it. Someone said to me, well, couldn't you at least cover the cost of the meal? Couldn't we at least, you know, if it only costs you three bucks to make, couldn't you at least just charge three bucks to your break even? Sure, but then that's not blessing people. We want to invoke God's favor. We want people to walk away going, I don't get it. That's the best part, right? The Bible says we're a peculiar people. We're we're strange. We're peculiar. There's something different about us. People should be around us and go, you know, I'm really not sure what it is about Alonzo, but there's just something really different about him. I'm not sure what what it is, but there's just something different. Well, I'll tell you what's different about us. The Bible says Jesus Christ is the hope of glory, and he resides within us. That's what's different about us. That's what you don't find in the world around us. So we started to look. I thought it would be uh, good for us to look at this feeding of the 5,000. What... What was this all about back in Jesus' day when Jesus did this? Who did Jesus feed? Did he feed the poor? Yep, he fed the poor. But he also fed the rich, we presume. I would guess in that congregation of people that showed up that there were not only poor, but there were probably people of median income. There were people who were were wealthy. People weren't coming looking for food. That's not why they were there. We'll get into that in just a little bit. I would believe that he probably fed the religious elite. I bet he fed people who were just kind of hanging around. They just saw a crowd was gathering and thought, well, there's a crowd over there. I should probably go over there. There were people he was feeding, all kinds, Any, anybody who showed up, okay? Keep that in mind. That's a thought for us. If you're going to be serving, we're serving anybody who shows up. You don't have to prove that you you, you need a meal. You don't have to prove that you don't need a meal. Somebody's wearing a tie or isn't wearing a tie. It doesn't make any difference to us. We're serving people who come because we want to bless them. So I began to look at this story. If you read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, um, you'll find in the the back of your Bible, most Bibles, there's what's called the Harmony of the Gospels. And this Harmony of the Gospels, what it does is it it lists uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then all of the different stories or the different accounts that happened. And if you will look at that in your Bible, you don't have to pull it up now, but if you look at that, there are 240 events that are listed in the Harmony of the Gospels. 240 different things that happened, whether it was the uh, when the, the angel came and announced the birth of Jesus, uh, or whether it's when um, when Jesus walked on water, when Jesus healed somebody. There are 240 different events in scripture. Of those 240 events, only 20 of them show up in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Only 20 of them. That caught my attention. So I said, well, what are those 20? 18 of those 20 happen from the time of Jesus' arrest until his resurrection. 18 of them. Out of those 420 events, there are two that really stick out. The first one that sticks out is when Jesus sent out his disciples two by two. You've been following me for so long. I'm going to send you out. I want you to go out and do some ministry. So I'm going to send you out into the world to do ministry. All four, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, record that. And when they come back, that's all part of the same story, when they go out and when they come back, the only other event that is listed in all four Gospels, that doesn't have to do with the, the death of Jesus and the resurrection, is the feeding of the 5,000. And I thought, isn't that amazing, God? Isn't that amazing? Jesus walking on water, John picked up on that. Luke picked up on a few things. Matthew picked up they all And they all take a look at this from a little bit different angle. But this morning, we're going to look at this from... Mostly from John's perspective, so let's start by setting the stage. When we look at the gospel, when we look at, at the book of John, we see you know these different details. But in Luke, um, Luke begins this count, this account of the five thousand with when the apostles returned. Mark says when the apostles gathered together around Jesus. Uh, John actually starts with sometime after this Matthew only was talking about John the Baptist he didn't mention any of this uh the the uh, uh didn't mention the five thousand at, at first he does get to it but he says he's talking about john the baptist so sandwiched between the disciples going out to do ministry two by two and their return is the account of john the baptist so jesus has got his disciples with him for three years and he's finally trained them in ministry and they've seen what's going on they've just they've just been following him and now he's saying all right it's time for you to go out It's time for you to pray for the sick. It's time for you to heal people. It's time for you to go and do all this stuff in my name. So they go out, and while they're out, we hear that John the Baptist is captured, uh, that John the Baptist is imprisoned. Uh, While he's imprisoned, he actually questions his followers, this Jesus, is this really the right guy? And so his followers go to Jesus, and they say, you know, John's in jail, and he just wants to make sure that you're the Messiah. And so Jesus, instead of answering their questions, instead of just saying, yeah, that's me, or he should know that, he doesn't do any of that. Instead, what he says is, go back and tell them the things that we're doing. Just go back and tell them what you see us doing. Go back and tell them what you see me doing. There's something in that. We're not gonna go down that road today, but there's something in that. Folks should be able to see that there's something different in our life, that you do things differently that's the Christ that's in us, is that there's something different. We read uh, about John the Baptist. Now, this is uh, right after John the Baptist died. Jesus is doing these uh, miraculous works. Matthew chapter 14 and verse 1 says, At that time, Herod the Tetrarch uh, heard the reports about Jesus, and he said to his attendants, This is John the Baptist. He's risen from the dead. That's what the miraculous powers uh That's why miraculous powers are at work in him. Herod had arrested John and had bound him and put him in prison because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. For John had been saying to him, it is not lawful for you to have her. It is not lawful for you to sleep with her. It's not lawful for you to be with your brother's wife. And John was in Herod's face and Herod didn't like it. So he said, fine, I'm going to get you out of the way and I will have you arrested. I'll have you imprisoned. On Herod's birthday, the daughter of Herodias, this is the lady that he was doing stuff with that he shouldn't. Oh, we back up a verse. I'm sorry I missed one. Herod wanted to kill John, but he was afraid of the people because they considered him a prophet. On Herod's birthday, the daughter of Herodias danced for the guests and pleased Herod so much that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she asked. One of the gospels says up to a half of his kingdom. That was quite a dance. Uh, prompted by her mother, she said, give me here on a platter the head of John the Baptist. Now the king was distressed, but because of his oath and his dinner guests, he ordered that her request be granted. And he had John beheaded in prison. His head was brought on a platter and given to the girl who carried it to her mother. You know, sometimes we read that way too fast. Just think about that scene, if you will. John's disciples came and they took his body and they buried it, and then they went and told Jesus. Mark also talks about John the Baptist. Luke talks about the sending and the returning of the disciples. So sandwiched right in the middle of all this, the disciples go out, they're doing all this ministry. We're beginning to see the disciples carry their own weight, if you will, and do the ministry that, that God has prepared them to. And John, who all the other disciples, none of them had really been persecuted for what they were doing at this point in time, but John was. And so imagine, if you will, that the disciples are coming back and they're gathering with their leader. They're gathering with Jesus, the boss. And they're saying, you know what, Let's, we need to get together. We need to kind of to do a debrief. Jesus is wanting to talk. Tell me about the things that you saw. Tell me. They were excited, man. Even the demons had to flee. So they're trying to have this communication with Jesus about what they saw. At the same time, they're trying to mourn for their friend. John was the forerunner of all this ministry. He started it all. Before Jesus began to preach, John was out preaching. Before Jesus began his earthly ministry, Jesus, uh, John baptized him in the Jordan River. All John was the predecessor to all of this. Just, just think for a minute, okay? We, again, we read this so quick. You're trying to grieve. You're trying to, to get together and just talk about what, what's gone on, what's happened. And in the midst of all of this is when this feeding of the multitude takes place, right in the middle of it all. They haven't had a chance to do any of this. They haven't had a chance to grieve. They haven't had to do any of it. They want to unwind. They want to mourn. They wanted to celebrate the Passover together. Now, we've been planning this... Feed the 5,000, very loosely, we've been planning it since January. But the last couple of months, we've been uh, meeting every other Monday night and, and making sure that we've got stuff online and trucks or trucks are picking up trailer trailers getting the meat, the buns are coming in. The, we made sure we got all the tables yesterday. <clears throat> You'll see a picture of that at some point in time. Did anybody see the rain when it seemed like it was coming out of showers? It, that's when we were getting the tables just... Now, compared to Jesus, we're in a little bit in the handicapped category here uh, as far as all of our planning. We've been putting this all together. And Jesus knew what was coming ahead, but the boys didn't. The disciples didn't. had no idea what was going on. But there's a few lessons as we read through this account. Lesson number one is that Ministry, service of any kind. When I'm talking about ministry, I'm not just talking about being up front preaching. Any kind of serving. As a matter of fact, in the New Testament, wherever you see the word minister, you could replace that with table waiter, somebody who's waiting on tables. They're serving. It's the same word. And so, whenever we serve people, we're ministering. Ministry or service. Lesson number one is not usually convenient. If you want to serve people, you can bet yourself that it is going to happen at difficult and inconvenient times in your life. Matter of fact, it might even be a time when you personally need refreshing. Here's what I've found. What I've discovered is that sometimes as I am, you're going through a tough time, you're going through a difficult season in your own life, and as I minister, I find myself getting refreshed. I can tell you how many difficult times in my life, in my, my call as a pastor, my kids could probably tell you as much as anything, would be out mowing the lawn or I'm out working on this or working on that and I get a phone call, so-and-so's in the hospital and you don't think they're gonna make it and so I'm running across the house taking off one shirt that's all oily and greasy and getting another shirt on and I just, all my family hears from me is, I gotta go, and I'm out the door. They don't know where I'm going. They don't know when I'm coming. They don't know what's happened. I gotta go. And they know that it's something serious. John chapter 6, starting at verse 1. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that's the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him. Sometime after what? Sometime after the death of John the Baptist. Sometime after the disciples are coming back. There's a great crowd of people that followed him because they saw signs that he performed by healing the sick. Jesus went up on the mountainside and he sat down with his disciples And the Jewish Passover festival was near. So here they are. They're trying to get together and just unwind. They're trying to debrief. And Jesus sees this crowd of people coming. Why are they coming there? Are they coming because they want lunch? No, they don't know anything about lunch. Are they coming there because there's a party? They don't know anything about what's going on. They're coming because Jesus and now his disciples have been out praying for people Healing people. There have been people getting saved. There have been people getting delivered, and they're watching this group of twelve men, thirteen men, move together. And all of a sudden, people are like, "Man, that's where the party's at. That's where I'm going." And it's pretty easy. It's like, "Hey, what what are you up to? I'm going. Come on, come go, come with me. Come come go with me." There's some. There's a guy over here. He's he's been healing. Imagine, in your mind, if you will, this crowd of people. We're not talking about coming here, and there's you know 20 or 30 people or 100 people or 150 people the bible says that jesus had 5000 people not including women and children you say pastor do you really believe there was 5000 people no i believe there was closer to 15000 that's what i really believe maybe even 20 a guy's got his wife maybe maybe two kids three kids i don't know how many kids they got maybe it's just one man and one kid and one that's you're still That's a lot of people, right? Right. All at a time when Jesus is trying to get refreshed. All at a time when the disciples have been out and they've been doing this and they're trying to do a, a debriefing. Ministry is often, very often, ministry comes at a time when it's inconvenient. It's inconvenient. And why, did they, why, why were they there? They were there because they had seen them doing miracles, because they had seen them heal the sick. Now, just imagine, okay, again. The gospel doesn't give us this. The writers don't give us this. But I think you have to sometimes let your mind kind of run a little bit. We've got to rein it back in with the word. But sometimes you've got to imagine, what does this look like? You have 5,000 people. Let's just, let's just call it 5,000. That's plenty. 5,000 people up on a hillside. And you've got Jesus who's up there likely praying for people, casting out demons. You've got Uncle Harry who seems to have this, this, this terrible limp. And we've got to get Uncle Harry up there to see Jesus because he's got this, and Jesus is praying for him. And we can get to the disciples over here, but we've got to get Uncle Harry. So they're dragging Uncle Harry up to get close to Jesus. Don't look for it in the Gospels. It's not there, Okay but they're looking to get Uncle Harry up there and they finally get Uncle Harry up there and Jesus prays for him and Uncle Harry walks away and he's fine, he's healed. What do you think is gonna happen? Oh, let's go back to our seat now. We got Uncle Harry healed, now let's just go back to our seat. Yeah, he's been sick nearly unto death, let's just go back to our seat. That's not what's going on. Man, there's a party, he healed him. Can you, he hey, you gotta get up there, man. Jesus has healed, you gotta get. You all don't get it, you're not seeing the picture. This is a big deal. There is life that's going on. Jesus is, is, the, is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and his disciples, they're not standing there. What do you think they're doing? They're over here praying for this group. They're, oh, you got a baby over there that's sick. Let's go pray for that group. Let's go pray. People are getting changed, man. They're getting healed. They're getting touched. They're getting born again. There's life that's taking place on this hillside. Can you imagine the chaos for just a minute? Yeah, about half of you can imagine that. The other half of you is still stuck here going, yeah, that was really good. <laughs> People are getting transformed. There's stuff happening. This is a big deal. And there's, there's chaos going on all around them. John chapter 6, verse, verse 5. When Jesus looked up and he saw a great crowd coming towards them, he says to Philip, Where shall we go to buy food for all of these people? Now, he said this as a test. Jesus is standing there. He's looking. He's seeing all these people. They're just coming. They're coming. They're coming. He walks over to Philip and he's like, Hey, what do you think? Look around. What do you think? Where are we going to get food for him? About that time, I'm thinking Philip turned around and went, Oh, my Lord. You're not really thinking that we're going to feed these people, are you? I mean, he goes on. This is a a shock. He goes on. Now, Jesus asked this in verse 6. He asked this only to test him, for he already had in his mind what he was going to do. Tell me that God does not have a sense of humor. In verse 7, Philip answered him, it would take more than a half a year's wages to buy enough bread just for each one to have a bite. So if you think, that maybe the gospel writers are all exaggerating and that there really wasn't 5,000 people. Maybe there was only. Philip is saying, it's gonna take a year's, half a year's wages just for everybody to get a bite of bread. That's a lot of people. So the second lesson for us regarding serving in ministry is that so often when real ministry takes place, it is outside of our ability to serve, it's beyond us. Um, many of you know that last week there was a child killed at uh, uh, at a local lake. It was an accident that happened, and uh, and I got a call at kind of an inconvenient time. It's not about me, but I remember driving down to the end of my road, getting ready to go onto the highway, and thinking, God, what What am I going to do? What am I going to say? How can I? How can I help? There's nothing. There's nothing. Ministry, serving people, takes us beyond our own ability. It takes us beyond that. When the disciples went out two by two, they had to go beyond themselves. In this crowd of people, there were people that needed meals. There were people that needed food. There were people that were that were hungry. There were people that, that, that needed a touch. There were people that were sick. They were lame. They needed a touch. And these disciples that were following had nothing of their own. Maybe, maybe they brought a snack with them. Man, they were going to have lunch with Jesus. They're going to talk. They didn't have food for everybody. This took them beyond that. But here's Jesus's test, if you will. I think Jesus's test for them was Look at the crowds. What are you going to do, boys? Are you going to try and handle this one on your own? Or are you going to turn to the one who's the bread of life? Cuz that's a question for each one of us. If I can go out and handle it on my own, then what do I need Jesus for? What is then is that real ministry? I'm just giving you the best that I got. See, the reality is, as servants, we've got to come to the end of ourselves very, very quickly. Very quickly. Come to the end of yourself. Recognize, at the first glance, recognize, this is beyond me. Man, I need to fall on Jesus. I need to turn to him. I need to fall on whoever he is, whatever he can do in this situation. If he'll use me at some point, God, use me at some point, somehow, somewhere, some way. I went there, folks, thinking, if I need to just... If I need to sweep a floor, whatever I need to do, this is so beyond me, God. I believe in that crowd of people, that there were poor and there were rich and there were religiously elite. But I also believe that there were people who were really, really, really seeking God. There were true seekers in that group. You know what I think we're going to have this week when we serve? I think we're going to have a lot of people out there who just want a meal. There's going to be a lot of people who come just because they heard it was a free meal. There's going to be a lot of people who come thinking that, you know, they're just kind of checking it out at a distance. There's going to be a lot of people who are hungry, but I think we're going to see people out here who are really seeking the bread of life. That they're really seeking something deeper. They're coming for a meal, but they're looking for something, not a glass of water. But living water, something that's going to bubble out of their soul. They're looking for something deeper. They're looking for something greater. Why would we want to do this? Because there are people in this world that are lost that we get to bless. And we get to say, this is how Jesus would treat people. I don't think there was a, somebody with a, a cashier sitting at the end of the line when uh, Jesus said, here, give them a couple of loaves and give him a piece of fish. Buck 48, please. That covers costs. That, that $2, please. There's inflation. Oh, you got to tip the waiter. Look, folks, we just get the opportunity to bless people. Ministry is always, always outside of ourself. And there's a, sub, a, a bit of a subset to this, a subpoint, if you will. Not only does ministry take us outside of our ability, get this, hang on to this, you might not like it, you really might not like it, but you also don't get to choose who you serve. You don't get to choose who you minister to. God, who sends the rain on the just and the unjust alike, right? You know, if we just think that we're going to get out here and serve all all church people who are all good and right and got it all together, we're missing it. It's not the point. The point is we need to bless this community, the cross section. You might say, well, that guy came and he was drunk. Good, give him a hamburger and a glass of water, you know, So what? Jesus came to bless. Jesus knew that there was nobody in the crowd taking pizza orders. Nobody's calling Grubhub. Nobody's doing DoorDash. Nobody's killing the fatted calf. 15,000 people hanging out because they want a touch from him. They want a touch from Christ. And Jesus is testing his disciples to say, who are you gonna, who are you gonna listen to? Who are you gonna go after? Are you gonna try and do this on your own? That's a call for us. That's a question for us. If you've opted to say, hey, I'm going to volunteer, then you're not just coming to serve hamburgers. You're not coming just to serve hot dogs. You're not coming just to make cupcakes. What are we... What is the goal of this? The goal is to empty ourselves. The goal is to pour ourselves out for the community around here so they get a little touch of Jesus. Hopefully when they drive off of this parking lot, they'll be one step closer to God. They'll have... They'll have felt God's presence in a way that they just weren't expecting. I came for a hamburger, but I sure got a lot more than that. You see, folks, it's easy for us to rely on ourselves, to fall back on our own wisdom, our own ability. That's what I was telling Lonnie the other day. I'm, 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 I'm finally, I'm worried about the trucks here. There's... Lots of meat out in that truck. There's lots of stuff out in that truck. I'm kind of worried because I haven't been worried about it. You know, my great reality is, if this thing was done today, my great reality is this. The world really doesn't revolve around me. Even Detroit Lakes doesn't revolve around me. Even a function that's going on in this church does not revolve around me. That might not mean much to you, but that's big for me. The sun does not rise and set on what I do. And that's really cool. You know that? That is really cool. That's a great place to be. Amen? Amen. You all should be happy with that because otherwise, you've got to come to me for everything. It doesn't have to happen at all. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 7 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, do not lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, submit to him or acknowledge him or turn to him, and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Turn to him first. The fear of the Lord, the Bible says, is the beginning of what? Wisdom. You're right. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. How are we going to get through this? Fear him. Turn to him. Go to him first. Lesson three. God will use whatever you have, hang on to this, God will use whatever you have or don't have to accomplish his purposes, especially if you don't think it's possible. John chapter 6, another one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up and said, here's a boy with five barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? So some little boy, at some point, I don't know. This is a very agrarian society. They rely on farming. They rely on the barley. They rely on the wheat. They rely on farming. But there's a sea over here, and so they kind of rely on fishing as well. Now, again, the scriptures don't say this. My own head goes off, and it's like mom telling the little boy, hey, why don't you go out? Dad's working in the field today. Why don't you go out and see if you can catch some fish for supper tonight? I'll send you a couple of barley loaves. Again, speculating. I don't know if that's what happened. But for some reason, this little boy is walking around with five loaves of barley. You think, five loaves of bread? No, 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 no. You remember the scripture where it says, um, uh, uh, who do you think would would ask for a, a loaf of bread and, and God would give them a stone or their father would give them a stone? That was a trick that the kids played. Lots of times their loaves of bread were about the size of a big stone. So what kids would do is they would take a stone from, the, from out in the, the yard and they'd stick it in the in the bread basket so when uncle charlie reaches in there he thinks he's getting a loaf of bread instead he pulls out a stone it's it's actually what it's cultural it's a cultural thing so he had these five little loaves of bread but they're not big loaves of bread isn't a wonder bread it's just five little loaves of bread so he's walking around with these five little loaves of bread and two fish and andrew's like i'm not really sure how this is going to go but we got this and jesus is saying that's enough that's enough. Sometimes God asks us to step out in faith and trust him to serve someone. And we're like, God, you don't, I got nothing. I, I can't do it, Lord. I've never been to school. I don't have formal training. I've only been to church for a couple, I, I don't know, I, don't, I can't do it. I can't, I don't have anything. And God says, good, that, you're just in the right spot. You're, just, you're, in a, you're in the perfect spot because now, instead of relying on yourself, you're going to rely on me. Look, folks, don't worry about how great your talent is, how amazing your ability is. Boy, I've just got to learn how to, to memorize the book of Acts and the book of John and the book of Romans. And once I get that all figured out, then I'm ready. You know, that's not what it takes. Scripture Says quite clearly that we're all able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter for the letter kills, but of the Spirit because the Spirit gives life. This little boy's got got five loaves and two fish. And all I know is, according to what we do see in Scripture, he was willing to say, Here you go, man, do whatever you want to do with it. And God will take that little bit that you have and he will make it sufficient. You don't have to worry about making it sufficient. He will make it sufficient. Jesus took those, those loaves and the, that, those fish, and he blessed them, and he prayed. And when he did, something happened. When he did, all of a sudden, this little minuscule amount turned into abundance. Turned into abundance. Now, if you, if you think I'm asking you to take a $10 bill or a $5 bill and, and put it on a table and just pray, God, turn it into a hundred. That's not the abundance I'm asking for. God, I'm going to put this in the offering, and I expect you to turn a hundredfold so I get $500 in the mail. Maybe, but that's not the abundance I'm talking about. That's a gospel that's not a gospel at all. That's a gospel that's not declaring good news. If we only give just to get back, what is that? He's talking about sacrifice. Jesus didn't give to give just to get back. He laid his life down. He gave it all. None of us have been asked to give at that level. And yet every one of us have been asked to give at that level, to lay our lives down for the gospel, right? We give and we let God take care of it. Lesson number four that we see here. This I think is really important, and I want you to really get this in John chapter 6 verse 10 every one of the gospels report records this line every one of them all four of them record this line jesus said have the people sit down there was plenty of grass in the place that they were and they sat down about 5000 men were there have the people sit down what's so important about that pastor here's what's important about that ministry is not a drive through project okay we're not just going to walk down the line as people come, oh, bless you, 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 bless you. Ministry takes time. We got to sit down. We got to get to know each other. And we got to find out what each other's story's in. Uh, the only way I'm ever going to be able to bless these guys is if I get to know them, know who they are, know what's going on in their life. That's it. Without that, short of that, there has to be a relationship. There has to be, if you want it to be long-term, Tori and I became friends. Why? Because we got to know each other. Raymond and I became friends. Why? Because we got to know each. Because they showed up one Sunday and I'm like, oh, this is all great. No, it's it's about relationship. Jesus said in every one of them, have them sit down. That's important. Here's how important it is. If you come on Monday or Tuesday or Thursday and you've invited somebody and you know that it's difficult, you're there supposed to be serving hot dogs or you're there supposed to be standing cooking hot dogs, and you see you, know, you see Johnny, the guy that you have invited. you know what I want you to do? I want you to get somebody else to keep cooking hot dogs and grab one yourself and go and sit down with Johnny because it might have been really difficult for him to get here. Don't forget the reason we're doing this. The reason we're doing this is to bless people, right? right, right. To invoke God's favor on them. If you've invited somebody and you see him here, Make an effort to go out and sit with them and be every, every one of the Gospels, every one of them. Jesus said, make them sit down because ministry doesn't just happen. Amen? Amen? It takes some effort. It takes some intentionality. All of us, again, are able ministers of the Gospel. But we have to go out and we have to make sure that we are being intentional about what we're doing. John chapter six and verse eleven. Another lesson here. Jesus then took the loaves and he gave thanks and he distributed them to those who were seated. Get this, as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. And when they had, uh, when they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, "Gather up the pieces." that are left over and let nothing be wasted. Just some real... I'll just keep reading for a second. So they gathered him up and they filled 12 baskets with pieces of, of the five barley loaves that were left over by those who had eaten. And after the people saw the sign that Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is a prophet who has come into the world. Do you think? Let's see, we just... He's fed about 15,000 people with five loaves. and yeah, yeah. yeah. I think he's a prophet, yeah. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king uh, by force, withdrew again to the mountain by himself. So Jesus is, didn't do this. He didn't do this to gain notoriety. He didn't do this so that people would pat him on the back. He didn't do it to become king. We need to keep that in our heart, that one of the reasons that we're doing this is not so that we're the biggest and the brightest and we're, you know, this, oh, we're blah, 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 pat on the back, shot on the right, not. I don't care about any of that. We're here to bless the community, keep our hearts right. But Jesus fed them until they were full. I have to tell this story, okay? I'll close with this story. I gotta tell it though. Eight years ago when we did this, you, you, you know, I was here every day. Uh, it was only a couple of hours that I wasn't here. And... In the process, we had a gal, young gal, come through the line. I saw her on Monday morning, and she came through Monday afternoon or evening, and that's fine. And she was here on Tuesday, and then Tuesday evening, and then Wednesday, and Wednesday evening, and I think it was probably about Thursday. Um, it was Thursday. Um, She's there in the morning, and then she came back in the evening, just as we're getting ready to close up. And the truck stops out by the first light pole, and she jumps out, and she comes running across the parking lot and grabs six pops and takes off on a dead run across the parking lot. And so I intercepted her. (laughs) I didn't tackle her, but I just intercepted her. And I'm like, hey, you can't just do that. This is for the meals. Well, it says free. And I'm like, I know it says free, but you gotta understand, we're trying to feed people. And just, we want everybody who gets a meal to get gets a plate, to get a pop, and, and we're going. And so we had this wrestling match out in the parking lot. It was several minutes longer than it should have been. And uh, each one of those pops was about nine cents. So for probably about forty cents, I'm out there having a wrestling match with this guy. Finally, I'm just like, go. And so she left, and I came back in my office. I don't know whether I was more angry at her or more angry at me, but pretty disappointed with the way I behaved regardless. And then I walked downstairs, and I'm coming up with a pan of beans, and I felt like the Lord spoke to me and said, I need you to read the story again. So I set the pan of beans down, and I sat in my office, and I read the story again, and I got to the point where they had as much as they wanted, and then they all had enough to eat. And I thought, it's not the way I planned it, God. I mean, come on, this, that's, that's, they all if they all had it, that's because somebody left something, and he just wasn't ready to hear that argument. So the next day, Friday morning, she comes around again. This time I was kind of trailing her at, at a distance. Okay, listen, it's just confession time, all right? <laughs> I, I get to do this, okay? The Friday evening, she's back again, and she's walking down the line. This time, I just happened to be there. I wasn't actually trailing her. She, just, she got down by the potato chips. She got, has got a hot dog or two hot dogs, whatever it is, and, and she's standing there. She's got a little bit of beans on her plate, and she's standing at, the, at the, the chips, and she's standing there looking over the different variety of chips, what she wants, what she wants. And finally, she says to herself, but she says it out loud, and I think it was just the Lord, and it was for me. She's like, man, I'm full. I don't need any more. And I thought, yes, we did it. We finally filled her up. Hallelujah. She was, just, she was finally full. It was good for my soul. I didn't, I didn't think we were going to get that way. I thought she just kept dumping it out of her leg when she was done. She finally got filled up. You know, that's the goal, folks. We have to, when you go to serve anybody, when you go to lay your life down, it is about laying down. It's about taking all of your preconceived ideas and putting them on the shelf and saying, Jesus, please use me. Can we do that? Not just this week. Not just this week. Can we look outside of ourselves and go, you know what, God, this, this requires so much more than what I've got. And he says, good, that's what I'm hoping for. I really want to use you in this area. I really want to take you down a road. The other thing is that Jesus doesn't call these Leftovers. He told the disciples to go out. And first of all, they didn't know if there was going to be enough fish just to take care. of. They, we've just got two fish and five, five loaves. That's all we've got. And at the end, they go out and they pick up the pieces that remain. And when they picked up the pieces that remain, there were 12 baskets left over. 12 disciples, 12 baskets. 12 tribes of Israel. Kind of a coincidence, right? <clears throat> Maybe not. I think that's something about Jesus showing his provision. Now just hear this, hear this. What I see at the end of this account is that it's vitally important for us to not let the provision of God go to waste in our lives. God provides in our lives for a whole bunch of reasons. He's given us a lot of provision. The end of this account tells us, don't let that provision go to waste. The Bible says that um, God has uh, that the call of God and the gifts of God are without repentance. The call that God has placed on your life and the gifts that He has put in your life, they're without repentance. He gives you those gifts for a reason. He doesn't want you at the end of time to just say, ah, sorry, God, I just didn't want to use him. No, his provision in our life is to be used for his service, amen? Don't let God's provision go to waste in your life. Don't let it go to waste. When he calls us to minister, when he calls us to serve in any way, realize it's probably going to be at an inconvenient time It's probably going to be way outside your scope. It might be with someone that you do not want to be around. And he still calls us to rely on him to do exactly what he's called us to do. He's given you enough. He's given you enough to do what he wants to do through that situation. Amen? Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for this week. God, we pray a hedge of protection this week. When people come on this property, we pray for a hedge of protection for every worker who's here. God, we pray a hedge of protection for every vehicle that comes in the parking lot, for every person who steps on the ground. Lord, that they would sense your presence more than anything. They just sense your presence and that. There are people here who just want to bless them. Lord, each church that's represented, Father, that you just pour back into their lives, they would see the value of just coming and giving and serving and blessing our community. They see it already. Otherwise, they wouldn't have volunteered. It would help them to see the, the results of that. God, I pray that we're, we're quick to hear your voice this week when we're serving, that if there's something you're asking us to do, to go outside of the normal realm, to go maybe sit with somebody. Maybe it's pray with somebody. Maybe it's invite somebody into the prayer tent. Whatever it is, God, that you would use us, this church, just your church, you'd use your church, God, to bless the community of Detroit Lakes, Frazee, Audubon, Lake Park, anybody who shows up, God, I pray you just help them experience the life that these folks experienced on a hillside 2,000 years ago when Jesus was there and he was making provision for all of their needs. Thank you for your goodness in your life. In Jesus' name, amen.